Welcome, everybody, to the University of Applied Research and Development, our educators podcast. I have the privilege of having Aiono Manu with us here right now, who's also a member of the Royal Society, which is an incredible honor. Lovely to have you with us. Thank you, Craig. Lovely to be here. Hey, look, I'd love for you to share with our students and the watchers and the listeners uh, about your role that you're doing right now. Okay, so I'm the uh, Senior Bus Speaker Manager at the Monaco Institute of Technology. Um, and my role is working out of the Pacifica Development Office. Um, the office recently launched a Pacifica strategic plan um, in December 2018. And my job is basically to make those words in that document come to life. So I'm part of the implementation process. Wow, and how much of your time is spent on that implementation? Is it all the time? All the time. So that's my full-time role, is um, making sure that all of the goals and targets and priorities and strategies that are built within that strategic framework is um, part of my daily conversations with internal staff and external partners as well. So tell us about some of those goals and strategies that you're responsible for. So part of uh, the work involves uh, fostering the sense of uh, bus speaker cultural intelligence so we look at a lot of um, the ways in which we can help our academic staff to be more connected and more culturally responsive, um, just more culturally agile with our Pacifica learners, our Pacific students. Um, I work alongside our marae team, our, our Māori counterpart as well. Um, you know, being Pacific, we know our role within the Institute as, as manuhiri or tauiwi in that respect. So. We're very cognizant of being able to work and collaborate together to construct indigenous research methodologies. So that's quite important for us because um, we feel that it's important for people to know their identity, their cultures and their languages. And that's part of the reason why we have a great push for our Pacific languages within um, our programs of learning. Just for those people who uh, aren't from New Zealand, can you explain Tauiwi or Manuhiri? So manuhiri, manuhiri sorry, is visitors and tauiwi are people who are non-Māori. So it's very important for us um, to, to honour mana whenua, tangata whenua, who are the, the origin peoples of the land. Um, and that we know as Pacific people, even though we have that historical tuakana-tena relationship, you know, the older sibling, younger sibling, cousin kind of relationship, but we still honour the fact that, you know, we voyaged here and some of us were born in, in Aotearoa, New Zealand. So we have to honour as part of our titiriti obligations in that respect, um, how much we value our, our Māori counterparts. Yeah, that's, that's lovely. That respectful relationship is, is important. I, I'm, I'm based in Indonesia, as you know, and um, when I came into Indonesia, I thought everyone is Indonesian, but there are so many different ethnic backgrounds and uh, tribes and languages and cultures. There's not one culture. And that's very interesting. So I think what you're doing is applicable in any nation. So could you share some of those strategies that you're in encouraging lecturers, academic staff to use to be more aware of culture? Well, within MIT, uh, we have our Pacifica Academic Subcommittee, and it's a committee that sits underneath our broader academic committee. And uh, part of what our work is alongside those groups of academic lecturers who are of Pacific descent, or what we like to call academic lecturers with Pacifica hearts, um, for those, those lecturers that really have a, a fondness and a love for our Pacific students, 
uh, we're working together to construct online cultural responsiveness programs. Um, and so that will kind of factor in a lot of the work that they do in their schools presently and kind of improve the pedagogies by having, you know, real world um, examples of, of how they teach in the classroom and then putting our Pacific lens over the top of that and, and hopefully through that process we get to not just gently massage that in but, you know, because I think about that analogy of baking a cake, you know, we don't want to have Pacific pedagogies or andragogies as kind of the cherry on top but we need to be part of the, the wet ingredients that combine with the, the typical Western cultural paradigms uh, which, are, in my view, are the dry ingredients that we get to combine and work well together to add the flavour uh, before the baking process. So I think it's important for us to be part of the cake mixture and not just the icing at the top. That's a really good metaphor. That's great. <laughs> tell, <laughs> us, tell us about andragogy and how you employ that with a cultural mm. lens. So with um, adult learning, you know, andragogies, as everyone knows, is, is to do with adult learning. And um, most of our Pacific learners, especially if they're mature students, they would fall under, you know, community education or adult community education. MIT is a tertiary provider, it's a tertiary institute, but we have a, a wide cross-section of people that are new learners. Um, so it's not just school leavers, it could be a whole um, host of other types of people and demographics that come through. I think traditionally for Pacific peoples, we have what's called intergenerational learning. So all of our learning happens in the home. I remember growing up with grandparents. I learned a lot of skills, transferable skills, lots of ways of thinking and ways of being that I think as an adult, I've been able to kind of have that as a part of my lifelong learning passion. So I think um, growing up with older um, parents in that sense and the parents of my parents in terms of those generations has really fostered that love of discovering new things, being critical thinkers. And those are not necessarily aspects or attributes that are associated with Pacific learning or um, indigenous you know, ways of learning. I think because just because they're not written down and documented in that way, it doesn't mean they're not valued in oral traditions as well. So yeah, for me, andragogies is a, it's an on, ongoing process that centers on conversations that work with people and getting to know your learner. You know, I have this phrase, reach before you teach. So rather than focusing on the content of the curriculum, I really want to focus on how do we engage with people? How do we draw them in? And how do we make sure that we empower the people that we are standing in front of in the classroom um, so that they too then are able to not just be vessels that we pour knowledge into, but that there's this reciprocity of this flow of learning that's important. Mm. Have you trademarked that? Have I trademarked? Reach before you teach. I think I've said it a couple of times in other places, but no, I haven't copyrighted it yet. That's a good one. I think people are going to start using that. That's, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I think in education we need those, those catch cries, those things that we yes. can remember easily to remind us of our perspective because we can get very yes. stuck into what worked for us which might, might not necessarily work today yeah that's right I mean um, I think that's, that's how in terms of my own learning journey I've been able to respond well to teachers that really had a heart to understand who I was as an individual and they didn't make assumptions they didn't 
bring their own worldview into play. They really asked lots of questions like, oh, what do you do at home? And how do you learn things? You know, so really open-ended questions that were without bias. But um, they actually spent the time talking to, to get to know me. And those are the teachers that I aspired to become when I left school. And um, those are the teachers that I still hold close to my heart um, as an educator. How about we shift gears and tell us about your uh, doctoral thesis, your topic of your research and the process you've been through with that? Yeah, so the, the topic of the thesis is you need to find my voice, uh, which is focusing on the, the student voice of successful Pacific students in Aotearoa New Zealand high schools. Um, a lot of the literature around success has been focused on probably a teacher lens. And I feel that um, I've had the luxury of having worked in, in different, for different providers around um, improving teacher capability around their praxis and how that they connect with Pacific learners. And I feel that what the gap in the literature has been around the fact that whilst there is a lot of research on student voice, but they haven't actually taken the student voice and applied that to transform um, education that works for Pacific learners. Um, so I feel that that is something that's important and it needs to be drawn on. Um, so rather than telling students what works for them, you need to ask them and ask specifically those successful students so that we can take what they've said and apply it to, you know, things that we need to look at in the sector and help improve that. But not just improve, but dramatically transform it. I'm quite a pragmatic person, so in my mind when you're speaking, I'm thinking if I was teaching in a high school and I mm. had a number of culturally different students, what are some practical things? I know you've mentioned sitting down and talking and getting to know the person reaching before teaching. Um, what are some other strategies, some practical things I could do in my classroom to increase the success for that student? Part of what you could do to connect with students on that level is because for Pacific learners, you know, uh, language, culture and identities are very key to, you know, the fundamental um, makeup of who they are. And so sometimes teachers give it a, it's a hit or miss in terms of their assumption around what languages those children speak at home. So for example, if you come across a Samoan student, not all Samoans are raised the same way. You might have a Samoan student who may be half Pakia or Balangi or white and half Samoan, and so they might not necessarily have been raised by their Samoan parent. So there might be an absence of Samoan cultural protocols in play. So rather than assume because they are part Samoan or they have a Samoan surname, you might, rather than ask them, oh, so you're Samoan Salofa, and put your foot in your mouth with, you know, those types of assumptions, but you might need to ask them, oh, okay, oh, you're Samoan. So what languages do you speak at home? You know, they, might, they just might say, oh, I just speak English. It's like, oh, okay, so have you been to Samoa? Like, what, what, what are your feelings about, you know, your connections to Samoa? Like, do you feel that um, it's, it's part of, of what makes you who you are? Or, you know, so it's being very careful about asking gentle questions that help to elicit um, those answers that you want to then help improve how you're going to further connect with that student when you go to teach them the content. I love that you said ask gentle questions because it's not an interrogation that would have completely... No, exactly. 
Yeah, that's right. And I think people need to practice looking in a mirror. Here's a pragmatic suggestion. Practice looking in a mirror, recording yourself even, asking questions, and what your own facial expressions. Because you might not know that the way that you ask questions not only sounds like it's, it's expecting a confrontation, but it's delivered in a way that does sound like it comes across as an interrogation rather than a collaboration. So you're wanting to actually connect with a student, not distance yourself from them. Um, and another pragmatic suggestion would be, you know, talk about your own experiences of a connection with that culture and then ask the student to point out, you know, what are your experiences with that as well? So, for example, you know, going back to the Samoan student, ask them, oh, have you been to Samoa? Because I would love to go someday. Or I've been to one part of Samoa, you know, and I learned about these things. You know, what, what's your experience of those things? You know, is that similar or different? Or Yeah, so it's, it's engaging in that conversation, but it's making it a safe space, safe space and place so that you can talk with them. That's great. Hey, uh, we have uh, such a range of educators that are in our Masters of Education program from principals of really large schools to aspiring leaders who are beginning their career. And um, they're from Nepal, Indonesia, Malta, all around the world. What are some career tips, some advice you would, you would give to aspiring leaders to build mm. into their toolkit the ability to be more culturally responsive and aware? I think as much as possible, you know, make friends with people from a lot of different cultures. I think, you know, as much as you'd love to read textbooks and, um, you know, read lots of different articles, but if you can't translate that into the real world, where you'll be expected to be a leader that makes decisions for people from lots of diverse backgrounds. You won't have the nuances to understand what it means to be someone that can be relied upon, um, not only for your kind of nous or knowledge around things, but just in your way of being and that, you know, in terms of how you're going to be respected as a leader. Um, and in Pacific cultures, a lot of our leadership comes from service. So we're only promoted to leadership um, opportunities or leadership stances and positions because we've actually earned our way through that process. We've been heavily involved in galvanizing our communities, really being role models to our younger brothers, sisters and cousins. And that then affords the community support that wraps around you um, with those arms that help to guide you into other ways in which they those expectations and obligations kind of um, blend together, you know, what may be perceived as a blessing may otherwise be perceived as a burden, uh, only because the shoulder responsibility, that mantle to be able to, to stand on a platform and be a pioneer is, is really hard, but I think it's necessary so that people that come after you, you need to hold the door open for them to come through the door. Uh, rather than close it in their faces so that you can protect your own patch of leadership. Um, so you need to operate in a sense of a generosity of spirit and that there is space for everybody to be a leader. But it's hard to do that if you don't know how to serve. I was making notes furiously as you were talking. There, so <laughs> just great, great wisdom, Iona. Thank you very much. So friendship, lead by service, hold the door open and having a generosity of spirit. I really appreciate that. That's great. Iono, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate your wisdom, your experiences, and your insight. Um, wish you all the best for the examination coming up as well. 
Um, Thank you. Just wish you all the best. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you.